You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopoly through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Listeners, we're joined this week on The Renegade Economist by Brian Kavanagh, the Research Associate at the Land Values Research Group. Brian's been on the show a number of times over the decade. We've been on the beloved 3CR airwaves and with more shocking political news. And last week on the show with Professor Michael Hudson, we discussed what troubles uh, the Lloyd Blank finds from Goldman Sachs are having making sense of a world where the economics is going supposedly okay according to the mainstream uh, numbers, but the politics is becoming more and more radical. Uh, Over in New Zealand, uh, 37-year-old Jacinta Ahern is the new Prime Minister of New Zealand. Uh, Quite some uh, shake-up being announced through uh, her policy platform. Yeah, uh, good to be with you again, Carl. It is amazing when we're told the economies are going so well. And they're obviously not, and Jacinda Ardern has, has got it right. You know, she she said it's blatantly obvious that capitalism's failing New Zealand, and so good on her. Let's hope that this is what we've been waiting for. I mean, the world is starting to elect outsiders like Donald Trump. Not that he's been the answer, but people thought that he was better than the, um, you know, the normal party people. But, uh, well, he sort of failed the test. I suppose we got... Some people say Bernie Sanders might have been the answer or Jeremy Corbyn in the UK, but Jacinda Ardern has come out saying saying the right things initially, at least. Capitalism is failing, and she's, she's measuring it on the score of homelessness in New Zealand, and that's a pretty good measure for mine. Yes, well, uh, the whole inequality issue uh, was blown up by uh, Materia Ture, the former co-leader of the New Zealand Greens who uh, had uh, the whole nation uh, jumping up and down about the state of inequality in New Zealand for a good six weeks until the conservative press finally figured out a way to get rid of her. So, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly uh, an issue that uh, the so-called trickle-down economics uh, of this neoliberal agenda has failed drastically, yeah. and now uh, we're starting to see that in the political space. Yeah, I think uh, people are fed up with being trickled upon and, and uh, they realise that some sort of change is necessary. So let's hope that the alliance with Labor and New Zealand First with Winston Peters and the Greens will bring something to the table. I, I think it will. And in fact, where it is good uh, is because it's not this polarisation that you see every day on Question Time here on TV with Liberals saying yes, Labor saying no, and vice versa. You get no in-betweens. Well, I think that when you've got these coalition-type governments, um, as they've got in New Zealand, the truth might even out, and particularly when um, Jacinda Ardern is saying, you know, well, our starting point is things are failing, we need change. So that's... uh, that's the that's the first hope. I mean, you've got things happening, you know, like same-sex marriage, climate change, Gonski education, coal versus renewables. People are saying they're terribly important, but they're not as important uh, or not seen to be as important by many people, 
certainly in Australia, as having a dollar in your pocket, and that's not that's not happening. You know, the trickle down effect has been proven to be, uh, you know, manufactured. It's a lie. It just doesn't work. We've had that ever since um, uh, Thatcher and Reagan, and uh, people are waking up to it. I'm actually heartened by what I see on um, on online, where, where you can see people want basic change to the distributional system because uh, clearly the um, the one percent or the point oh one percent I reckon are winning out at everyone else's expense, and uh, that definitely needs change. Mm. Yes, and as uh, this wealth gap continues to expand, it's just becoming so obvious that the rise of populism is. Uh, is riding on the back of that and uh, we just have to hope that uh, uh, New Zealand returns back to uh, their roots if you like and uh, they were one of the first uh, nations in the modern era to implement a uh, a land tax I think back in 1884 they were were onto it recognising that these aristocratic families were controlling huge swathes of uh, beautiful pristine New Zealand lands and this was a fair way to ensure that they paid their fair share. Yeah, Australia's been up there in the forefront, but New Zealand has got a history of actually leading us. And, uh, I mean, they were the first with women's suffrage too. So uh, let's hope <clears throat> there's a sense in which because it's a small economy uh, with no... Uh, just with a, a, a central government and local government that it could prove to be a, cruci- a crucible for social change because, you know, we've got all these various levels of, of government all, all fighting each other, and here we are with a leader, uh, at least at the outset, saying the right thing. So let's hope she uh, she's 37 years of age and let's hope she hasn't been <laughs> corrupted and won over by the, uh, the rent-seekers at this stage. And um, whether you call it rent-seeking or unearned income earners or those who are trapping the surplus product that we that we make you know it doesn't matter what what name you give it but i, I think people are getting alert to this and uh, certainly online and and uh, i think i'm really hopeful for that we'll start to see that the reason why wages are being squeezed and and profits are being squeezed is because well it's earned profits i mean we're we're actually seeing the banks doing Magnificently, they're making all these super profits because they're throwing funds at people who are speculating in, in property, and they're they're helping build up land prices, which is the manifestation of uh, of rent. I mean, if we captured the land rents, land prices couldn't get up to these levels. But uh, there's a graph I've just seen since uh, World War Two in America. You, you just at all most incomes were captured from these unearned incomes or rents, and then that's gradually collapsed since 1940 as income taxes have increased. And and economists aren't seeing the relationship there, you know, that if you tax incomes, there's going to be less of them and people are going to be squeezed and going to go into debt with banks and the banks are making it harder by lending easily against these inflated land prices. They should have been... Um, uh, managing a risk more because as sure as eggs, if if there's a crunch in the, uh, in the property markets, the banks are going to come with their hands out. They've taken all these um, super profits in the good times, but they'll expect to be bailed out in the bad. So that's got to be put an end to because the economy is in fact just running on the uh, finance, insurance and real estate side of the economy. 
and that that's very extractive. It's um, you know they're intent on blowing up real estate bubbles and uh, extracting their their super profits, while you know wage earners and genuine businesses uh, uh, go broke. I mean, we've we've become the um, post-industrial is the word. Uh, you know, the GMH is now making no more cars, and they go, so there goes the last car manufactured in Australia. And uh, this so-called post-industrial and, and, and embracing the, the new economy is absolute bulldust. Brian Kavanagh, how risky is it for an economy to be centred around the services industry? Uh, how stable is that industry uh, between good times and bad? Well, it's, it's very unstable. In fact, uh, uh, you, you have these cycles uh, over recent years, at least uh, since um, uh, you had the 70s collapse, the 90s collapse, and now we've got this bubble going and we're told this one's different, uh, but, but is it going to be any different? I think the whole of the economy is exposed once finance becomes you know, the centre of the economy. It's meant to be a servant and not our master. And, uh, it's, and, and in the meantime, we're watching... Manufacturing go out of the country. Every country needs its own manufacturing sector. Maybe not uh, as big as China's or, or or the US, but even the US is now uh, shunting all its its offshoring all its manufacturing. So, but that's that's the way to um, ignominy and failure, and and that's that's the way economies are heading. Unless we uh, unless we realise that uh, rent, we've got to realise that the rent seeking. Uh, or capturing unearned wages, or speculating, whatever name you want to give it, has got to be brought, to, you know, brought to heel. That's the only part of the Australian economy doing fantastically, and so Australia is very exposed at the moment to, uh, you know, to bad news, Carl. Yeah, those working in insurance or uh, real estate agents uh, very quickly can be laid off in the services industry, further accentuating uh, the downside. And with so much of uh, our construction industry tied up in real estate as well, it's the easiest play in the economics uh, textbooks is to have record immigration levels and uh, high debts and from that uh, booming house prices. And that was what was so good to see uh, Jacinta Ardern come out and uh, talk about uh, as the, the, the new uh, New Zealand Prime Minister straight off the bat. Absolutely. So... So there's there's reason for hope that thing, things might change. Uh, you wonder whether, like Donald Trump, who is going to change the world too. Or you, although you'd wonder about his agenda anyway, because he's out of the he, he's out of the um, real estate industry in his own own way. But I just hope that she is able, in conjunction with the Labor Party and New Zealand First and the Greens, to really follow this one through. I think she could be the sort of person to do so. And I think if she captures, you know, a lot of this online, uh, you can't get it out there in the mainstream at the moment, but there's a few little voices occasionally getting out there saying, you know, that um, the, the speculative economy is winning at the expense of, uh, of our wages. We're starting to realise why wages, the, the real wages in the US have actually Real wage have actually declined since 1972 in the US. In Australia, it's not quite as bad, but but they've not been increasing. And so, obviously, 
any economy is going to fail, and, and you don't get the um, analyst, analyst saying this, any economy is going to fail if the people who make up the economy haven't the wherewithal to, to, to buy into the economy. And uh, so without some sort of change, that's, you know, God help us that we don't just manufacture wage increases if we don't also control the property side of the economy because further wage increases will only be sucked up like a sponge by increasing land prices. We've got to realise that uh, the answer is along the lines of the the Australian Labor Party, that is to tackle the capital gains discount and and negative gearing. Uh, But but is that even enough? Because I I think if you look to our history... Australia had a federal land tax from 1910 until 1952, and at that time we had the best standard of living in the world, for much of that time at least, and now we're well down the list and uh, uh, other, other countries are overtaking us. So we've, we've got to start capturing some of our unearned incomes instead of letting them flow to the 1%, because that's the mechanism by which the 1% or the 0.1%, as I like to call it, are making themselves billionaires at our expense. It's it's, it's a, literally an unearned income, uh, and they they've turned the flow to them because it's not taxed. Yet we're taxing uh, wages, and we're taxing uh, profits uh, profits of productive companies companies that are creating wealth. Now the banks are going to tell you, oh, you know, we pay a lot of our profits to the uh, to the government too, but. They're, they're actually making super profits in this climate of speculation because land values are doubling, tripling, quadrupling, uh, blowing up the amount that they can lend and they, thereby, by printing money, make these astronomical profits. I mean, they haven't got interest, high interest rates going for them at the moment, but they have got these enormous capital values, so they don't need the high interest rates as well. So... They're, they're really uh, laughing up, the, up their sleeve at us, and of course they don't want this um, Royal Commission in, into banking. And um... but Brian, they certainly don't, uh, but uh, just have a listen to this clip. Uh, Prosper Australia President Catherine Cashmore was recently on uh, uh, the 6pm news in New Zealand, and she had this to say about their tax system. New Zealand has one of the worst tax systems for housing speculation in the world. No land tax, no stamp duty, no capital gains tax and no restriction on foreign buyers going in and buying New Zealand land. That means New Zealand is setting itself up for destruction. It means that speculation is not just going to affect Auckland's market, which has been pushed sky high. It means that it will affect other areas of New Zealand also. That means pain for first home buyers and that means that eventually the economy economy will crash because you will have a housing crash because of it, because the productive sectors of the economy have been eroded away so much by the speculative fervour that is happening in New Zealand that if that does not change, then New Zealand is really setting itself up for trouble. So, so there we have Brian Catherine Cashmore talking and basically saying, look, New Zealand is the tax gimp nation uh, uh, on the planet. They've got one of the worst systems when it comes to property. That They're going to be the last place left to live once climate change is finished with us. And uh, they've got the doors wide open saying any one percenters come on in, buy our real estate, uh, buy up our beautiful, pristine uh, forests, our waters, uh, go for it all, go for gold. And uh, that was some of the backdrop to what drove Winston Peters. Yeah, well, I mean, Catherine Cashmore, that, she's absolutely right on that, that statement, and that's what I say. I think 
people are coming to the, this realisation and at this stage it's just you know, hope, but let's hope that Jacinda Ardern, you know, that's the direction in which she's heading. The very fact that she wants to address homelessness and uh, housing affordability suggests that She's got a bit of an inkling as to what must be done. Brian, then uh, the the talk is that they're going to have a comprehensive capital gains tax. Can you explain the disadvantage of that? Or can you compare capital gains tax to uh, my preference to have a an annual land tax charged? What would uh, either either of those taxes do for uh, the New Zealand economy? Yeah, well, sometimes the comprehensive capital gains tax is... Um, seem to be what um, John Stuart Mill uh, called for. He, it came known as the Mill Tax. Uh, in the long term, that, that gets you to the same... In the long term, that will get you to the same point, but it's a fairly clumsy way of doing it. You've got to wait for each realised sale to capture the, uh, uh, to capture the, the, the uplift in value, and you'll get there in a number of years, 20 or 30 years, but it's not the same as slashing taxes on wages and living a land-valued tax, uh, you know, on, on everyone. You would get those who are sinking their, their incomes, uh, such as BHP, via Singapore or via the Canary Islands or, some, or Panama, um, because you can't shunt land offshore. So there's no doubt that the most efficient tax in the world is a, is a, is a land tax. It's got absolutely no dead weight. And I've done a, a study on, on dead weight showing that our current tax system is costing us, for every dollar of tax levied, there's a, there's a negative uh, cost of $2 for every dollar levied with the taxes we have. And I, I do explain it on, online and uh, I show the, the technique that I, that I use for that. But that, when you think of that, that's a massive thing. And uh, So for every dollar we raise in taxes on labour and capital, where it's costing the Australian economy $2. That includes such things, Carl, as the recessions that we've had, and each recession was heralded by a property bubble that burst, So, and it also takes into account the, the land prices. We could keep a, If we could keep a lid on land prices with a land tax, use an efficient land tax and slash uh, other forms of taxation, in, you don't need capital gains tax. It's, it's, it's um, as I say, it's a very clumsy way of getting to the to, to the same end. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a full-on capital gains tax. But uh, Australia had a history of you know we built our our dams, our railways, our uh, highways, our bridges, uh, our schools through um, through through. People don't realise this, but we built it through rates and land taxes, and uh, and and we only we didn't introduce a federal income tax until after World War Two in Australia. But we think it's always been with us. So there is the option to to look at history, see what was successful, and to and to uh, capture some of these unearned incomes, this uplift in value that's given by government expenditure on, on infrastructure and and uh, using some of that uplift in land value to fund more infrastructure, more government services and so forth. And But, but taxes must be slashed concomitantly on on, uh, on wages and uh, earned profits. I wouldn't say unearned profits. I'd leave the, 
the banks in the other school, they'd be the last to want to see a land tax because that's the measure by which they make their, uh, their super profits. It's the end of the world as we know it. I feel fine. Good morning, slaves, and welcome to 3CR. This is a stimulator, and whenever I want to get some radical propaganda, I listen to 3CR, 855am, Melbourne. Listeners, we're with Brian Kavanagh from thedepression.org.au, thedepression.org.au, and uh, I'll include in the show notes that deadweight study Brian did, because uh, if you ever want to outdo your... uh, IPA-loving friend or uh, father uh, around the dinner table. Uh, Get your head around (laughs) deadweight costs and you're going to win every single time. Now, uh, in terms of grand final day for us renegade economists, Brian, uh, this Friday is uh, one of the biggest on the calendar. I'd say probably the biggest. We have the system of national accounts coming out Mm. where uh, under table 61... We're going to be on the edge of our seats to see just how far Australian land values have increased in the last uh, measurable financial year. Brian, uh, it's been a boomer uh, in terms of uh, a record high auction clearance rates, uh, uh, supersized Saturdays. Uh, everything's been up for sale, but prices have continued to go onwards and upwards. Uh, what sort of uh, estimate are you uh, are looking at uh, for the increase in Australian land values uh, over the last 12 months? Oh, gee, you put me right on the spot, but it's got to be it's got to be in the order of 10% across the board, doesn't it, at least? Uh, I, I look, I, I could be grossly understating. I'm hopeless at, uh, at estimating. I'll look at the figures, but I, I don't like to don't like to forecast them. But yeah, that that table 61 in um, ABS catalogue 5204, incredible table. It's, it's about the only one in the world where you can show people. Here are Australia's total land values in in Tasmania, in Victoria, in every state on the basis of residential land, which makes up a good 80%, uh, commercial, industrial, rural. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a fascinating study. And uh, I'm sure whatever the figures show, they'll help make the case that we, we're still inflating land values at the expense of wages. People don't realise that... There's this reciprocal relationship. Uh, it was the, uh, the American um, social philosopher Henry George said that uh, uh, production is distributed between land, rent, wages and profits. And he said land rent's not earned by anyone, so if you take that, as much of that as you can for your, for your necessary uh, revenue, that'll leave wages and, and profits untaxed. And we used to do this, uh, and we don't realise that we used to do this. And then we say, oh, how are we going to afford uh, this bit of infrastructure or education? I mean, education should be free, and uh, but it's progressively not free because we're you know, probably paying too much to private schools, but, but also uh, uh, because the rent of land is being privately capitalised, uh, admittedly by the average landowner too, but... The way land is held, the wealthy own more property and the most valuable property. So it's vastly, our rents are being largely to siphon off uh, and they are as real as oil coming out of the ground, these rents. And if you you tax them away, uh, even Adam Smith said, a lot of people talk about the invisible hand, but Adam Smith said the, the economy will work best 
the invisible hand will come into play if there are no monopolies and if you capture your rents. But uh, all these right-wing people quote Adam Smith, but they exclude that part of his, um, his rundown, that, mm-hmm. that the rents, community-created rents, must be captured to the community for, for the economies to work. And, and we've been, we've been privatising our rents and taxing people into, uh, into submission, and, uh, uh, and that's happening around the world. And as I say, I think that's what the populism... It's sort of it's come to that point. They know there's something wrong, but a lot of, enough people don't understand that there is this unearned income, this rent, or this, as Mark said, this surplus product that's going, flowing, uh, being captured by largely the 0.1 percent. And uh, I only wish that the uh, 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 the people that protested the Occupy movement had had zeroed in on this. They didn't quite focus. It. Mm. They they too knew that something's wrong, but had, had they focused on uh, on this fact, factor of rent being privately capitalised by the one percent, privately capitalised when it's created by the existence of community. I mean, it's crazy, and, and yet we cop taxes, and you hear people saying, oh, "I'd be happy to pay more income tax if I knew I was getting better services." Well, it's a matter with where you get it from, and you should be getting it through your land values because they're increased by public infrastructure and population and so forth. And you can keep a lid on the increase in those by, by taxing those away. But, but we stupidly uh, insist on taxing uh, income and, uh, and profits uh, that, uh, that, that are actually creating wealth for Australia. Certainly. Well, uh, I'm predicting that uh, Australian land value is increased by some $580 billion this year. Oh, you've got it down, you've got it down to a figure. Uh, well, I, yeah, I'm pulling it. I'm basing that off the eight capital cities index, which uh, increased by $145 billion over the last quarter. And when you think that it's something like $570 billion to replace all taxes... That's more than 10%, I think, then, isn't it? Because I think we're, I think the last figure was five-point-something trillion. Uh, so you're saying five, $500 billion, which is, yeah, that's probably more than I estimated, but, but uh, that would not surprise me at all. Mm, it'll be somewhere bet- around the $500 billion mark. Yeah, but strangely, Carl, people like you and myself are terribly interested in this figure... But a lot of a lot of Australians are not. They don't see the relevance. They don't see that this is coming at the expense of their wages, the, the expense of their cost of living. Mm. And um, it would be great if people like uh, yourself and, and Prosper Australia could make that case. So you know that if you're not doing terribly well in the pocket, you might look to those who are, and they're the people that are controlling your, you know, the, the, the rents of your natural resources. And we had the episode, of course, of the the miners, they got out and uh, and got uh, you know got the RSPT tax thrown out in in, uh, in lieu of a, another little weak mining tax that got got us nowhere and now mining's all but gone. Uh, so, but we are relying on the Chinese to keep the uh, you know the property market going. But I, I don't think uh, I think that's going to see its day in the in in coming years too. And uh, it can't keep going like this because our debt levels have uh, reached astronomical proportions, and there's got to be got to be a day of reckoning for all this. And uh, uh, although I call my site the Depression, Carl, I think 
I, I owe it to people not to be depressionary in my in my thinking. And once you once you nominate a site with a name like that, you've got to have some answer. And I I think the answer for Australia is to capture more of their unearned rents to uh, to get out of this situation. Well, Brian Kavanagh, thanks so much for joining us here on 3CR's Renegade Economists. Good to speak again, Carl. 3CR, radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference.